All right, welcome to another episode of I Just Interview My Friends. Today I'm interviewing my friend, longtime co-laborer in Christ, Lynn Sa, which is still always weird for me to say, because um, I once knew her as Lynn Ha. Uh, and I wanted to interview Lynn because um, if you know her, uh, because she has been open about it and posted on Instagram before, that she has a history with, and I'm not even sure if this is the correct term that I'm using, right, but with brain tumors, uh, which, you know, is unique. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I would love to just hear kind of your story. Um, so to start, you know, like, what is exactly your condition called? Uh, when were you first aware that you might have it? Um, and what was that like? Yeah. Um, so I have a disease, disease genetic disorder um, called Von Hippel-Lindau disease. Uh, it's VHL for short. And this disorder causes like tumors in various parts of your body. Um, so commonly like your retinas, your kidneys, uh, your brain and spinal cord, um, and like your pancreas um, are like the more common areas. Um, I happen to have, well, mine are mostly in the brain. Um, and so my dad had diabetes, like he had to go to Korea to get surgery and he had brain surgery and they found that he was diabetic and all these things. Um, and then it turned out he had von Hippel-Lindau and then, um, and how, how old was he when he, when he found that out? I was like not 10 yet. Hmm. So he was in his forties. Yeah. He was, I think he was in his forties and then he was a young missionary in the Philippines. So obviously, you know, the doctor in Korea, so that's basically why our family immigrated to the States. Mm. So the doctor in Korea is like, you cannot live in a third world country. You cannot live in a developing country. They don't have medical advancements for you to survive there with your condition. You need to, you need to like move. Mm. Um, and then one of the pastors actually at, actually at ANC Onduri asked Pastor Yu, the founding pastor, Hey, I have this guy. He was a missionary in the Philippines previously. He mm -hmm. said, I have this friend of mine. He's, he's a little sick. Um, and he needs to get out of the Philippines. <laughs> the Philippines. Um, would you sponsor him mm. um, to come to the States to be a pastor for our church? Mm. So that's how we first came to like immig immigrated to the States in 2001, like permanently. Um, so that's what started the journey. And then, mm -hmm. and how old um, were, so how old were you at the time? I was 10, 10. when we moved here. Uh -huh. Yeah, 10 and a half. Yeah. And how, how aware were you of like, of that medical condition? Was that something that like they talked, your parents talked to you about? I mean, like we were, my sister and I were left in the Philippines because we had to go to school. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with my dad and my mom and my brother went to Korea for surgery. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, we knew that he was getting this big surgery, but when I think about it, I don't know if I was like scared of that concept, mm -hmm. but if it, even if you think about it, I think he got surgery in 1999, mm -hmm. maybe 2000. Um, so when you think about it, it's like, that was, that was 20 years ago. And like, wow. I know that medicine has advanced a lot since then i mean mm -hmm. technology has advanced since then so it's kind of crazy if you think about it. i don't think i was like scared 
or anything. And I mean, Jason, you know my dad too. You've worked with him too. So mm -hmm. I mean, he would make jokes. I think he made jokes after he like woke up from surgery. And um, yeah, so I think because of the way that my parents handled it, I don't think I was scared. I remember um, one of the missionaries that was taking care of us while my dad was in Korea. She's a single missionary. Um, she um, like told us that we had to fast and stuff like that. I think there was like a fasting train and all this stuff. It was such a long time ago. I actually haven't thought about that in a really long time. But yeah, I don't know if I was scared per se. I just, I knew it was a big deal. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, knowing if I, if I, if I had to like, kind of like remember, I, I know that my dad would have made a joke out of it, mm. you know, or mm. like try to make light of the situation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you, so you came then to the States, right. And you're obviously going through all this, you know, culture shock and everything. Um, but were you aware that like, oh, this disease like could be genetic? I don't know, actually. Hmm. I don't know if I knew it was genetic, like it could be genetic until maybe high school. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe junior high. My sister showed symptoms with her eyes first, and then I didn't, I didn't, so I didn't really, I don't think I really understood genetics, like as <laughs> deeply, like when right. it came to that stuff, I guess. I don't mm -hmm. know. I'm trying to remember, but it's like it's, it's been such a long time. But I American I, education I, system. I think my story starts when I fainted during a AP exam in high school. Okay, so tell That's tell me about that. <laughs> I did yeah. not know that. Yeah, so it's actually funny because all of my friends that took that AP English Lit exam with me, they have an asterisk next, next to their score. We all have an asterisk next to our AP score because I fainted in the middle of the exam. So everyone know everyone knows that that's why the asterisk is there <laughs> for the score. Because I think uh -huh. that they probably deposit or something um, so that I could go to the nurse. And I think. Did I have to retake? I might have had to retake it another time. Mm -hmm. So when I fainted, my parents, I think, were in Canada at some conference. Mm -hmm. um, so there was this, uh, yeah, there's actually um, this Omni that actually came to the Philippines uh, on a midterm mission when she was a college student in Korea. They're in the they're in the states now. Mm -hmm. um, they were like taking care of us. I, is it was it her? I'm pretty sure it was her. Um, and then her husband, I, I'm pretty sure. Oh my gosh, my memory's so bad. It's like brain issues, right? Um, so, um, yeah, my mom was like, you need to go to the hospital. I'm like, no, I don't want to. I fainted because I, I had a stomach problem and like, mm -hmm. I was just trying to get through the exam, mm -hmm. but I fainted instead. Cause I was like cold sweating cause my stomach hurts so much. Um, but my mom was like, no, we have a medical history. You have to go. Mm -hmm. So um oh and by this point senior year of high school my sister had gone through brain surgery oh. so i think yeah around high school i was like oh like it's a mm -hmm. possibility it is genetic but i didn't and, think i had it right and was hers during hers was during when she was in high school as well no hers was the day she was supposed to start school at ucla <laughs> her freshman year yeah so Man. she actually had to like um delay her start to start oh. in winter semester i think um, so yeah, so I was a junior in high school when she was a freshman in college. Mm -hmm. So, so you, so your mom forces you to go to the doctor, but I'm not 18 yet. 
Oh. So I can't get a CAT scan, apparently. <laughs> really? So I was like, really? I don't remember how we made it work, but we uh -huh. did. I think we had to do like phone calls and then, you know, translation and like all this like really annoying stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so that's when I started. Uh, that's when my um, hatred towards uh, administration. <laughs> administrative past really started probably uh -huh. um but yeah so somehow ended up getting a cat scan which revealed a tumor in my in my brain which led to me having to go get an mri for like a clearer picture mm -hmm. and then that's when it revealed another tumor in another area of my brain mm -hmm. so i and was so 18. how did you feel like getting that news so I found out on my 18th birthday. Oh, Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. Well, Happy yeah. birthday. <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday. You have brain tumors. Congratulations. Um, and then I remember, so this is when we moved back to LA mm -hmm. um, because my dad's health wasn't doing well. So he uh, stepped down from being the lead pastor at Bakersfield Old Nuri, and we moved back down to LA and um, I was like, I want to spend my birthday with my friends because it was senior year, right? So I wasn't mm -hmm. going to see my friends again since we all graduated. So drove back to Bakersfield. And I think I found out the results before my birthday party, that the surprise birthday party that my friend <laughs> uh, prepared for me. Uh -huh. um, and I, I was just like, okay. But I really... Maybe it was because I was so focused on turning 18. I don't know why. Or maybe it's because my, I, I saw my sister recover through. I saw my dad recover through. I think by this point, he might have had his second brain surgery already. Mm. And he had been diagnosed with cancer. So because I saw my dad and my sister go through it, I was like, okay, so this is my fate. It has come at last, this news that I have been waiting for or knew it was coming. Um, but I remember my dad being really sad. Mm. Um, yeah, I remember him being really sad. And I think, I think he felt guilty because he knew it was, it was from him. Um, oh, I don't know. It's okay. <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah, I remember him being sad. So he wasn't, like, joking, like, during our car drive. Because it's, like, that hour and a half. I don't even remember if I found out in Bakersfield or if I found it in L.A. Um, but I remember him being sad during, like, one of the longer portions of our drive. And I think he felt sorry. Mm. Um, but I, was, I, I think I was, like, it's okay. Like, it's not a big deal, you know? Mm. And I... I yeah, I, I really didn't think it was a big deal. Mm. Yeah. Was there a point, like, you know, in the preparation or in the surgery recovery where you were like, oh, shoot, this is a big deal? Uh, yeah, my second surgery in 2017. So that's like three and a over, it's almost four years ago because it was February of 2017. Uh -huh. That was the surgery on my brain, on the, on the brain stem because the, mm -hmm. uh, this is so, a stem, like the tumors, like inside the brain stem or something. Uh, like that. Where, so, so where was? Pretty serious. Where was the first? Where was the first surgery? It was in the cerebellum. Mm -hmm. So the cerebellum is more of the forgiving part of your brain, apparently. Um, and I remember when I was going to surgery for that, the doctor that performed the surgery on me was like, 
oh, like we didn't touch the one by your brainstem because uh, there's a 50-50% chance that you're going to lose your ability to swallow. Wow. So it was like pretty serious. So my mom was like scared out of her mind and she's like, what are we going to do? And then like the doctor at, at that hospital um, said that, um, sorry, I just saw a notification that the computer got uh, connected to Chris's AirPods. <laughs> Can you say something, Jason? I, I'm talking, yes, right now. Okay, all right, cool. I, okay. I that. Um, so, uh, so anyways, um, so yeah, my mom was really scared. She's like, and then the doctor said, we'll just watch it. And then mm -hmm. like continue to grow. And I started showing more symptoms like numbness in my legs and like throwing a bile like every morning um, just from like brushing my teeth. Cause like I'm like and, trying to brush my tongue and I like gag a little and I'd end up throwing up. And so was this during the summer before college or was this during college? So my first, oh my gosh, okay. So my first procedure was a gamma knife procedure and that was during college. And mm -hmm. that was kind of like intense because I was awake and they used local anesthesia and I have scars on my forehead and I have two spots in my scalp where I don't grow hair because they like literally nailed down like the, the helmet so that my head doesn't move. And then I got surgery in 2015, my first surgery in 2015, that was in the cerebellum and that was in the middle of, wait, was it 2016? No, when did I start school? Oh, 2016, 2016, uh -huh. 2016. And that, that was when I was in the middle of grad school. Mm. Yeah. And then 2017, I was about to finish grad school, but I had to, uh, but I, 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 I walked, but I had to finish my classes later. Mm -hmm. So because of the 2016 surgery, we we're just like watching and, and scared, but my symptoms were getting worse. And then when I did another scan, Oh, in between this, my mom's like, you need to see a new doctor. We have to go to UCLA because that's where your dad and your sister had surgery before. Mm -hmm. So you have to go to UCLA. And I'm like, I don't want to deal with making phone calls, sending medical records. Like I said, I hated the administrative mm -hmm. tasks when it came to medical stuff. Mm -hmm. So I knew I had to deal with that. And I really didn't want to. But my mom like told me, no, we have to. We have to. So I was like, OK, fine. And then I called my sister's surgeon's office. But he was leaving UCLA. So they were going to uh -huh. uh, just forward the information to that doctor. And that doctor um, told my, my current surgeon to like take over the case, basically. Mm -hmm. um, so I remember we were going, it was December and it was pouring rain. It was like one of the really rainy se seasons in California. And as soon as we got on the freeway, it was like bumper to bumper traffic from Pasadena going to Westwood. Turns out that the exit right after the exit we got on mm -hmm. or the entrance we got on um it was it was blocked because of like muds mud light i guess uh -huh. so i was late to my appointment and i was so mad that like, mom let's just go home we're a quarter mile away from home we didn't we weren't there for an hour like a quarter mile for an hour because oh. the exit we could we had to get off basically and then yeah. but my mom like told me like no we should still go so we ended up going and then my mom loved the doctor um, because he, I think one of the reasons was because he was Korean American. <laughs> Which is a blessing too. Um, and I think the way he framed it was like, 
you know, um, yes, there is a chance that you would lose your ability to swallow. But at this rate, when you're showing symptoms, um, the risk of you becoming a paraplegic is 100% if we don't even try getting the tumor out. And then he was like explaining with surgery, there's always risk. Mm -hmm. There's never a 0% chance risk when it mm -hmm. comes with surgery. Um, so I think the way he presented the fact that I needed to get surgery, like I mean, he was confident, obviously that like in like, you have to get this, whether you like it or not, you have to get surgery unless you want to become a paraplegic. So it was like, get surgery or become a paraplegic. Those are my two options, yeah. you know? So, so for, for you, was that comforting or terrifying? Um, neither. Oh. Yeah, neither. I was more annoyed about the traffic, the rain, the fact that I was there. Um, and my mom being a mom, you know, like all the natural things like, the other doctor said that she can't swallow anymore if she if you do the surgery or I'm just like just let the man talk you know just mm -hmm. let the doctor talk um so I think there were like other factors mm -hmm. that didn't let, really let me process um so I was like okay so we're getting surgery that was right. like you know the conclusion from the consultation yeah and then was there a mo was that something that you processed before your surgery or was it literally just like like one thing after another until the surgery happened yeah so it was it was like um i think leading up to the surgery it became like oh i might die like literally that i think it was before maybe like a couple weeks before the surgery where i really like let myself think about it and i think mm -hmm. that's when it became like terrifying like mm -hmm. oh i might die like mm -hmm. i literally might not wake up from surgery or, or something might go wrong they might hit a wrong nerve it's in a sensitive area etc so i think that's when it started becoming scary for me mm -hmm. like oh i might die like that's the first time i thought oh wow i might die from this mm -hmm. and was that a, like a place that you stayed in Right? Like, how, what, how did you process through that? So I'm really bad at processing my feelings. I think I like think about it and I'm like, okay, so don't think about it. <laughs> Shove it under. It. Um, but I think like shamelessly, it's like, um, I mean, like I told Pastor Michael in DC and, you know, of course, being the pastors that they are, they're like, so how are you doing <laughs> spiritually or how are you doing in your faith? And this is probably when I wasn't doing like, that great and I never really had the discipline of like reading the word every day or um like you know just spending time with God I I still don't have that discipline um as much as I'd like um and then uh it was like one of those things where I was like well it's like I'm always doing this where it's like I need something God so like mm. please like I'm gonna read now and I'm gonna do QT like more diligently blah 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 and I felt really shameful about it, you know, mm. like, and I think I, I might've told them that it's like, and then, um, you know, P Mike like encouraged me, like, I understand like that feeling, you know, but God would much rather have you come to him and then not come to him at all. Even mm. if it's with like this, like desperation or mm. this like reason where it is, it, it, it is like selfish. Like, I think it's really selfish. So, um, 
like even if it's because of that god would much rather have you come to him than like mm-hmm. not than you fearing that like you can't come to him at all so mm-hmm. uh with that i started reading and i think i found a lot of comfort uh while reading um but i still had that thought like oh like this could be the end of my life mm-hmm. um and then i remember the morning of <coughs> My mom said that I think living life or one of the or the QT because other people like reached out to her. Um, I know I had a really strong community praying for me for that surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think also because of that, it felt like such a big deal because mm-hmm. of the area and like, you know, people like saying like they're praying for me and like people I don't even know, you know, um, and my mom, the the text that she read or the QT that was assigned that day was um, uh, the story of the young girl in the Bible that was really sick. And then, you know, she becomes better. I'm like dumbing it down a lot, right? (laughs) Um, uh, But basically that's the, that's the, that's the QT that she had this, that morning that I was going into surgery and she was like holding my hand and she's like, Lynn, like, God is saying that he's going to heal you, you know? And um, I think that's what other people say. Oh my gosh, like Samonim, like this is the word that I read this morning. Like it's not coincidence. Like Mm -hmm. God is really trying to comfort us and like give give us peace that he's really going to heal Lynn um, through the surgery and the surgery is going to go well. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I think that, and then also like I had an Ativan, I think before I had a lot of anxiety, but I'm pretty sure the meds helped. <laughs> the, um, the Bible, the Bible plus meds. <laughs> the Bible plus meds, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, that that's what I remember mm. from that mm. morning. Yeah. Mm. And then so you know, going through the surgery, you obviously are, you know, you're still alive, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, was there a, when you woke up, right? I've always wondered, you know, like when you woke up. Was there like this, oh shoot, I'm alive, right? Was there that realization or is it just a bunch of grogginess for a while? So the first surgery, I remember I like joked with Chris. I was like, who are you? Chris is my <laughs> husband, for those of you who don't know who Chris is. Uh-huh. Um, but like, so he knew I was okay because I made that joke. Mm. Um, and then I think the second surgery, um, I, re- I remember waking up um, and I remember being groggy and like really tired, um, but it wasn't like a, oh, like I'm, I'm oh my gosh, I'm alive. Like um, I, I remember, I'm pretty sure my mom was crying. I think Jenny was there too. Um, Jenny Jew, she's on a previous yeah, episode. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, I just interviewed my friends, so, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Your friends are my friends, so. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I remember, and I'm pretty sure my mom was crying, and I was like, don't cry, don't cry. But it's kind of funny, because I thought I was normal, um, but my mom was telling me, Lynn, like, you are so swollen, and, like, bandages, and, like, you know, like, blood stain, and, like, you know, you think you're saying, Ujima, like, don't cry, like, with, like, your mouth, but literally, like, <laughs> you know, like, I'm mumbling. Mm-hmm. Um, so I remember just waking up feeling really tired and trying to tell my mom to stop crying. I think that's mm. my first 
memory of waking up. I mm. think. I, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think a couple people coming. I think it was my mom first, and then I think Chris might have come in. I think Jenny came in after. I think they sent them in one at a time, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned, right, like these surgeries are happening while you're dating, you know, to the man you are now married <laughs> to. Um, you know, was that was that something that you guys had talked about, right, in your dating relationship? Like what that medical condition, what did that mean to you, right, in, yeah. in terms of thinking about dating and getting married? Yeah. Um, so I remember in the beginning, like, <clears throat> I mean, Chris knew right by the time we dated because you know my dad like he knew my dad was sick he knew that i had to get these mris the gamma knife thing happened in college and i like Mm -hmm. posted a picture of myself with the helmet Mm -hmm. um with the metal metal thing nailed to my head so he knew that i had something um so i remember him telling me that that wouldn't be a reason why we would would break up in the beginning Mm -hmm. but i mean like in the beginning of a dating relationship you're gonna (laughs) say anything to be aggressive you know Uh what i mean like i know he meant it but at the same time when i think about it like wow he was like 21 going on 22 he's a baby you know like of course you can say things like that you know um and of course me being a mother wow so romantic (laughs) um and then when I was in grad school, that's when obviously like conversations about marriage was coming up. And then um, this was like when, after my mom heard from the first doctor, first surgeon, like 50, 50% chance she's gonna lose the ability to swallow. Oh, that reminds me, after I woke up from my surgery, my the first thing my mom said, swallow, swallow <laughs> right now. And I, like, and I showed her that I could, and she like, she felt better after that. That's funny, I just remembered that. I'm like, just out of surgery, barely like uh-huh. <laughs> swallow, swallow now. Um, but yeah, so I think after that, um, my mom like told me like, don't even think about getting married until you get that tumor out of your brainstem. Don't mm. even think about getting married. Like if you lose the ability to swallow when you, if and when you have to get surgery, how am I gonna feel bad? How am I gonna feel good about the fact that I let someone marry my daughter who can't swallow mm. anymore, mm. right? Um, and then like, when I like thought about like you know like she said it in passing, you know, and she was serious, but um, I think she even told Chris like, don't don't propose until you know that thing is out. Like I mm. won't say yes, I won't give you approval. Mm. Um. But Chris was like, she's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I think at one point, like we were talking about it and like, I wanted to give Chris an out. Sounds so dramatic. I'm like, Chris, you know, like, it's okay. Like, I I understand, you know, like I can understand if, if you like, don't, don't think that's okay. Like you can handle it or, you know, like it's something that you can't like walk with like I have to be okay with that and mm-hmm. like I like tried giving him an out and he's like Lynn you don't like, do you not think that I think about this like of mm-hmm. course I thought I've thought it through you know and by mm-hmm. this point we probably were dating for like three three and a half years by this point so mm-hmm. um yeah so he was like you don't don't you think I think about these things of course I've thought about it you know like of course like it's it's something that I've thought about like but that's not going to be a reason why, mm-hmm. you know, we, we break up, you know, so. 
I think that was the last time we ever talked about that. Mm-hmm. And then the surgery went well, so he proposed a few months later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's it's crazy, you know, to think um, <laughs> that you're going through all of that in the midst of grad school, right? In the midst of dating and proposing and all that stuff. Um, you know, kind of like now looking back on it, right? Do you feel like your perspective has shifted on, you know, that time? And maybe also like, where, where do you see it now, knowing that it is something that could still be, you know, a part of your life? I mean, it's gonna be a part of my life forever. Um, I like went through radiation last Thanksgiving, because there was like a small growth. Um, so it's gonna be like a part of my life forever. I have to get MRIs forever. Uh, you know, I have to go to Westwood forever. <laughs> um, but if I think about it back then, I mean, it's really easy to like not take your own advice, but give advice to others. So I think it's really easy for me to be like, oh yeah, like I cooked like this, but I, I really think I like overcompensated of like how I how I really felt about the situation, which is probably why I don't really have a great memory uh-huh. of like how it really was back then. Um, so I think that that's one. Like I feel like I I tried to seem like stronger than I like actually felt, or like I felt like this pressure to be like it's gonna be okay, and like that's like the message I had to like showcase out mm-hmm. there. Um, so if anything, like I, I, if I, like, and it's kind of funny cause I feel like I've become this person that people come to when they're suffering <laughs> to talk God, to. Yeah. God comforts us to comfort others. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I think like a lot of times, like, I don't know how well I, I, I tell them, but I think I try to normalize telling you know, my friends, like, it's okay to be like mad or like frustrated at the situation or like scared. Um, I think, I think that's like, okay. Like, it's okay. Like, don't, I think as Christians, we feel this pressure, maybe like imposter syndrome to be like, oh, like even when suffering um, comes into my life, I need to praise God and show the world, like, despite the suffering in my life, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm still happy, I'm still joyful, I'm still faithful. And it doesn't bother me because mm-hmm. God will carry me through and redeem me. And those things are true. God is there, God is faithful, God heals. All of those things are true. But I think as Christians, we tend to, um, yeah, tend yeah, to be it's, like, it's- it's not the Hakuna Matata version of Jesus, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's okay to lament and be, you know, mm-hmm. to go through whatever those emotions are. Yeah. Um, I mean, do you, what do you feel like made that hard for you, right? To be able to just do that? Mm. <laughs> um, probably because <laughs> of the fact that my dad was my role model. Mm. Um, because he was like, I, I don't know what his heart went through and what, but to me from the outer appearance, mm. right? Um, my dad was like the most faithful and the most joyful 
um, person, right? Despite his suffering. And like, those are the stories that my friends would tell me like, oh my gosh, like your dad, he was playing soccer with me and I tried to steal the ball away from him. And he tried to pretend that his like stomach was hurting because of chemo. Um, and then I was like, oh no. And then he took the ball and he ran away. <laughs> and, um, you know, like, so I think because of the way like my dad carried himself through all those years, maybe I felt like I had to be the same, you know, mm. to carry on that legacy. Mm. Or maybe I like, maybe like, deep down inside, I wanted to have a legacy too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's what it was. I, I really think uh, that's what it was. And I remember um, in that conversation with P. Mike in DC, like I think when I was like telling, like talking to them and like processing it with them before my surgery, P. Mike was like, Lynn, like your dad was like a great example in your life. And that's amazing. I'm so glad that you have that uh, spiritual role model in your life that you'll carry with forever but he's not the standard mm. you know um yeah like he's not the standard and i think that's when it like clicked for me maybe a little bit more of like oh like i tried to live this like faithful life that a man a man who's lived longer than me like lived out mm. You know, mm-hmm. so like me being like 20 something, I don't remember how old I was, 26, like 25, 26, I didn't have to like be at the level of like a 53 year old man, mm-hmm. you know, that had lived life longer mm-hmm. with God than I have. Mm-hmm. So I think that's when it was like, oh, okay, so I don't have to be like, Holy, holy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, thinking about, right, like knowing that it is a part of your life, it could come back, right, to varying degrees. How do you kind of deal with that? Like, what are, are there fears that, that you think about with the future? Or, you know, how do you, does it change how you see like your present, you know, moment at all? Sometimes I'm kind of dramatic. Well, not kind of. I'm like, (laughs) I can go from like one mood to another real fast. I like remember like in the early stages of our marriage, I like Chris and I would be arguing and I just stop. Like, what if I die because of (laughs) what if I get diagnosed with cancer the next time I go to the doctor? I'm just going to regret like arguing about something stupid. So it's like that, you know, that's that's good. I think that's that feels pretty good. (laughs) Yeah, those are like the little things. Um, Uh But I mean, I don't, I don't know if I'm like, I think honestly, it really is like making the appointments, making sure insurance goes through properly, making sure that, you know, um, like I have, I have like, um, uh, what, what do I take a lorazepam before I go into an MRI. So I don't freak out. I like have developed claustrophobia from being mm. in the MRI machine, uh, for years now, like 10 years years now um so i think like those are the things i'm like oh okay so like next time i go like to the uh neuro-oncologist like i have to do this finger test and like i already know like they're gonna ask me like oh so i'm gonna give you these three words in the book beginning and then like i'm gonna ask you sometime later during our appointment what those three words are like you know like i already know the drill 
you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So it, it, it feels it's just kind of like, it's just another thing I have to deal with, mm-hmm. you know? But I think like I've accepted like, this is the only way that I can stay ahead of it mm-hmm. as much as possible. Um, but in terms of like going to the future, it's kind of like, oh, like, uh, like my kid my like 50 50 chance that i pass it on to my kids in the future Mm. um and then with the mris too it's like oh like before i make my mri appointment i have to make sure that i'm not pregnant because if i'm pregnant i can't get an mri Mm. you know so it's like annoying like timing those things and like always having that to think about Mm. um yeah i don't know i don't know I don't know if I answered your question. <laughs> no, I, I, I think that's like, yeah, what you were saying before is very true, right? It's like where you are right now in the moment, you know, you deal with it and sometimes you just got to deal with it and you process it later and you figure it out later. Um, you know, you, you said like, I think a lot of people, yeah, because you have been so open about it, right? Like it's something that people kind of go to. Um, but what would you say like is something that people don't really understand? You know, like when they hear your story, like they don't really get, you know, about your experience. Is there anything where people like commonly have a misconception about it? <laughs> or are you a very open book? I don't know if that people, I mean, I would love to know if people have misconceptions about it. Um. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I've encountered anything, or I don't think every anyone's like asked me a question where I was like, "Oh my gosh, how dare you think that way?" Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think I've had an encounter like that. Mm. Um, well, I'm glad. That's good. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> yeah, that that's good. Well, then you know, uh, kind of last question, but having been both, you know, a family member, right, of somebody, multiple people in your family that have gone through it and also having gone through it yourself. Um, you know, I think it's something that many families are gonna go through many different kinds of illnesses. You know, that's the sinfulness of our world. Is there something where, you know, you feel like you understand an encouragement in the gospel or in Christ or just in life, right? Where, hey, like, what does it mean for you to experience that world of suffering as a family member and in your own in your in your own life. When you're asking a question, I don't know why the first word that came into my mind was community. I think mm. we had like a sermon on community recently and like that's like the experience that I always go back to. Mm. Um, so I guess the main thing is like you don't have to suffer alone. I think that is like, it's like so cliche, but it really is like, if I think back to it, and then sometimes like I try to want, sometimes I want to look for that Facebook event page that Chris made um, for people to pray or like get updates on where I was during the surgery. Um, And when I think about that time, I I really know that I was like surrounded Mm. by people even if it was like people that didn't really know me i mean even through like um like third degree of separation like people were like hey i know your surgeon he's a great doctor Mm. or like hey i worked with your sister surgeon like something like that Mm -hmm. so i i just i know that like 
it comes with the fact that I am open about it and my family is open about it and they ask for prayer. So I feel like I'm like trailing away from the question, but I think like that's like the word I always think of when I when I think of my personal suffering and my family's suffering, that we were always like surrounded by community mm. and surrounded by support. And I, I, yeah, that is a fantastic encouragement, you know, because I, I definitely know people that have, you know, been diagnosed with different things that their reaction is don't tell anybody, right? Like, don't tell anybody, let me just deal with this by myself. And it's always very sad, right? And I think, yeah, the encouragement is it's okay to be not, like, you don't have to even be chipper about it, right? Like, it's okay to be, you know, in that position where you're asking for help and you're asking for prayer. And yeah, I think that community is a, it is a wonderful thing. And sometimes it is suffering that is what brings community together. Yeah. And I, like, God didn't create us to be alone right and there's a reason why like we gather as a mm. church and there's a reason why god made us to be relational you know i know it's like harder for certain people to like reach out or like invite prayer um into their lives because sometimes it can be like like especially if it's not even like suffering and maybe it's like just a sin that they're struggling with maybe they're embarrassed to like invite people to like really pray with them and like walk alongside with them um, but I, I think I know God is real because of, of God's people that are in my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that is the biggest, uh, proof of God's love for me and my family that, uh, yeah, they're just willing to be a part and carry the burden through the suffering. Mm. Yeah. Wow, that's that's awesome. Um, well, I'm so glad that you are a part of our community. I'm glad that you're my friend. I hope that you know we can continue to be friends, especially in the midst of this quarantine. Uh, so thank you for sharing your experience, Lynn, um, and I really appreciate it. Thank 